Mark, uh, I got a question for you. Yes. When you uh, wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. is it y- y- like normal to like feel your eyes and you can just feel that they're sore? Yeah, that happens from like cr- over crying from all the tears. Like, is that normal? Is that a normal thing? Yeah, if you're crying a lot, yeah. Well, like, I don't remember myself crying, but like. I know, like, you wake, you wake up and you definitely know someone in this room has been crying. Yeah. And it was probably you because you're the only one in the room. Yes. Like, is that, that's, is that, that's a normal thing or, because then, uh, is it also normal? Let me, let me follow this up. Uh, is it also normal then to physically be unable to get yourself out of bed for probably six hours? And not like, and not like because your legs are broken or, or you just physically can't force, the neurons in your brain to fire muscle uh, responses. responses to your limbs to move all of your uh, move your body mainly because of just a, a crippling weight on your brain in 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 your emotions uh is that like, that is also common six six out I, I like ballpark six i mean sometimes it's like a it's like a short four or I mean, sometimes it's it's like ten. Like you can go ten. Yeah. Uh, so like weighted average, I'd say six. six. That you're, you, the hypothetical you, me, is just in bed, just can't move. Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew. I'm Mark. And you are listening to a little thing we like to call episodic memories. Hang on, can we do it again? Sitting across from me, fucked it up, is our dictator of Direct TV, Mark Gonzalez. Mark, how the hell are you? Starting today, all Direct TV subscribers will now also be Comcast subscribers. Begin the parade. I will now assassinate one Disney Channel starlet. Begin the, the other parade. Oh, oh God, they're coming right. They're oh, they're over each other. Oh, the massacre. Oh, they're just in a big mass of people. It's good that the dictator did that. It's good that the dictator did that. Let's celebrate the parade atrocity with a parade. That's stupid. I demand to be invited to the G8 summit. <laughs> the fact that they do not recognize the supreme leader of DirecTV is an affront to the supreme leader. Begin the parade. Mark, how are you? How's your day been going? How's your week been going? How's your weeks been going? Your half months been going? My fortnight? Sure. Two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Pretty great. Always yes. You don't know what I'm up against. <laughs> yes, always. Uh, it's it's going all right. It's going all right. Just uh, kicking around. Got two jobs. Kicking it. Kicking Working it old school. two jobs. I got two jobs too, Mark. Hell's Kitchen yes. and not throwing myself off a cliff. And that is a full-time job. That's a full-time job. That is a full-time job. 
Do you ever you ever look up like great cliffs to throw yourself off of on Facebook? I, I look at pictures Google. and I'm thinking to myself like, ooh, ooh, that would be. They they have a rest area right there. Yeah, I could take a nap could, before. Yeah, and like wait Dude, till the, wait till sunrise. The last thing that I like to do is po- sleep. Poop. <laughs> you know, you don't want to. I don't want to throw myself off a cliff and then they're like. It is a beautiful death, but uh, when he hit the ground, he pooped himself. Big mound of poop. Big yeah. Old, that's like I don't want the medical examiner to show up and look at me and go, "That is one big pile of shit." <laughs> and also, it pooped itself. Ah, <laughs> why did I invite him to my funeral? <laughs> he gave the best eulogy. <laughs> So there I was. There I was. I saw the biggest pile of shit you ever seen at the bottom of this canyon. And at the same time, that it also pooped itself. Begin the parade. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's that's full time work. Just that's rough. so exciting. Um, did, uh, have you watched any television lately? Watched any new television? I watched the finale of The Strain, the Guillermo del Toro FX. FX. Series. They asked him to take down all those posters because they were freaking people of, out. Like a yeah, of a, worm like a worm crawling out of a woman's eye. Yep. Yeah. How was it? Uh, it was okay. The thing about the show that's kind of weird is, I guess I just expected the scale to be a lot bigger than it was. Well, you hear Guillermo del Toro, and we're like. Where's Hellboy? Is Hellboy going to show up? That's what I meant. I said, where's... Give me the Hellboy. Give me the Hellboy, and where is the Jaeger? I need... Give him give Hellboy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's hear it for the Hellboys. They will fight to Hellboy and back. Hellboy's on the side. Go to... They, they will fight to the gates of Hellboy. <laughs> Tonight we dine in Hellboy. <laughs> Hellboy Dolly. Oh, that was a bad one. That's a whammy. Oh, shit. You got a whammy on that one. Um, It was okay. Uh, Follows the books pretty closely. I read the first two out of the three books. Mm-hmm. Of Hellboy. Yeah. No, of The, the strain. strain. Yep. The Strain. Written by John Grisham. No, it's Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan, which means Chuck Hogan probably actually did the work. Assume the controls, Chuck Hogan. <laughs> Crash it into parts unknown, Chuck Hogan. Um, and then what else I was, was also, I watching? I know you can't see it, but I was doing the things with my hands. Yeah, I could tell. As well. I could tell. Uh, that's I guess that's the the big big TV stuff that I've been watching. Uh, Boardwalk Empire's wrapping up, I guess. Is this its final season? Yeah. Mm. It's a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the run of BoJack Horseman. On Netflix. On Netflix. And it's a very, like, L.A. insidery show um, where the... A lot of jokes about not wanting to take Fairfax to Hollywood at, like, six, between six and eight. There's a joke. There's literally a joke in the pilot where... Bojack is dropping off his agent and he's like, "You live in Echo Park, so I'm just going to slow down and let you get out. I'm not I'm not going to park out there." And he only makes a mention of it and then they they she's like, "My house is coming up." He's like, "Okay." And then he just kicks open the the door, but his his uh 
his agent is a cat. Yeah. So she like does a front flip out and like lands on her feet. So then she calls him an asshole. There's like the characters have catchphrases. One of the big catchphrases that nearly every character says is uh, "suck a dick, shithead." <laughs> um, it's a it's a weird show. Basically, the plot is Bojack is a like a man. He's like a horse. Yeah. He's a horse that played the lead role in a. 90s sitcom called Horsin' Around. It's kind of like a full house where he's taking care of three orphans. Okay. And so he's like a Danny Tanner, Bob Saget kind of guy. But then after the show ended, he's got his big palatial estate, but he's just a mess of a person, mess of a horse. And uh, now he's decided to write his memoirs, but he's, he, he's, a, he's a lazy asshole. So uh, he gets a ghostwriter, and then the ghostwriter follows him around, and you just see that he's a real fucking dick of a guy. But uh, it's interesting because, and I think we talked about this before, where all of the episodes have continuity, so you kind of have to watch them in order and yeah. consistent, like across to pick up on things, as because like you know it's like plots from episode to episode, but there's there are runners, there's like arcs throughout the whole course of the show that really um are pretty interesting it's a dark show by the end of it and nobody is happy nobody is happy on that show i yeah uh but it's funny i thought i liked it Patton oswald is uh in like every episode is like 20 different characters um there's this these weird andrew garfield jokes president andrew garfield uh <laughs> no, the actor, man. Oh, from Spider Man. Yeah. Uh James Garfield is James Garfield, yeah. Uh where a character is dating dated Andrew Garfield at some point and makes offhand comments about how they're like, Oh, Andrew would only want to eat at Italian places and all he'd order is the goddamn lasagna. And the character goes, So you're telling me that Andrew Garfield, Garfield liked, liked lasagna? lasagna. <laughs> and she and then they like make no mention of it. And then later, and then I haven't heard anyone yell like that since Andrew's agent scheduled him for an audition on Mondays. So you're telling me that Gar- Andrew Garfield <laughs> hates Mondays, but loves lasagna? <laughs> it's a really dumb joke. That's kind it's of a bad really joke. It's really stupid, but it for some reason it works. I don't know. I would say give it a give it a um, give it a look if you like. Kind of stick with it, but uh, you you don't get to the grimmer stuff until two or three episodes in but it's a it's a pretty good ride for what it is so i i i'd say recommend i did I'd recommend i did see last night that there's a new netflix series with tom hardy and killian murphy peaky blinders peaky blinders which i had never heard of this i had no idea that this was happening mm-hmm. and then i was just on netflix i went to the main page to see if there was anything worth watching or worth living for that's what i typed in netflix is there anything worth living for and then it said, uh, how to lose a guy in, in, <laughs> in 10, 10 days. days. And I said, yeah. <laughs> I guess right. that makes sense. But I wanted to. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Like, do you, how do how did I not know about this, I guess, is the thing. Like, there are they just so, not advertising it? There or? are so many original, uh, like, original series and, and movies coming out for Netflix that it's hard to keep track of it all. But, like. I feel I, like a show with Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy 
is should be at the forefront of like their billboard campaigns. Uh, I've seen online ads for it, but I haven't seen any actual ads posted. Um, Bojack Horseman had all over the place. They had they had uh, billboards up, but I didn't, haven't seen much in terms of physical stuff for Peaky Blinders. Um, but they've also started doing this thing where they'll promote stuff on their front page. Where like when you log in, oh, because like they expect thing, me to be there. Thing will pop up. I guess up, that makes sense. And it'll be like, hey, for you, you you know, you might be interested in BoJack Horseman, or you might be interested in Peaky Blinders, Orange is the New Black, the whatever. I saw House there, of Cards. Like I just saw a billboard for a documentary about three D development, three D printing. Yeah, called Print the Future. Uh, that. Um, you know they're doing a bunch of stuff, and now they've they're co-funding a sequel to um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Standing Tiger, Exposed Dragon. Yes, uh, that Regal and Cinemark and a couple other theaters are. It's supposed to release day and date on Netflix and in like they'll IMAX do a digital theaters, release, but they're not. Uh, those theaters are refusing to show those that movie. Really? Yeah. I think they're hoping to make their money back in China. Netflix is not in China, hmm. but maybe this will be the launch of it. Who knows? Uh, well, that's that's cool. Uh, Mark, we are talking about, however, today's episode of Episodic Memories, your favorite radio, digital, podcast, audio stream for the 21st century. End statement. Mark... Episodic Memories works like this. You and I have picked a show basically at random and have decided to watch an episode, one episode in that run and try and figure out what the hell is happening in this show. And for this week, you and I have decided to watch the 2004 NBC series Father of the Pride. Father of the pride mark now, now you were excited when you saw that this was on there because you were interested in this i had always wanted to watch this show because i had heard bad things about it it was it was in that weird yeah but like what why do you think that is well because they spent a ton of money on it they didn't air all the episodes and then uh it just seemed like it seems like one of those things that you hear when you know if you kind of have like a cursory knowledge of of television of things that you just want to you want to check out because you want to know like what what was happening then like because in the late in the i guess i should say the early 2000s there was this big push towards um you know animation uh like adult swim had started to pick up steam yeah and there were shows like god the devil and bob and um a cup, like yeah, yeah. Dilbert on on UPN. Everybody else was trying to get a piece of that pie, and they decided, well, NBC and DreamWorks, and it's a lot of synergy. Let's go ahead and make a show. So I had been interested to see what this show was, why it, what they would it's actually gotten produce the stigma that it's gotten, and figure out like what why was this show made? Like actually look into it. Now, what do you know about Father? Of the pride. At the time that you let us know that we were going to watch this, uh, I had only known that it was on. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was a TV show. If somebody said Father of the Pride, I would say, oh, yeah, that was that animated disaster. Mm-hmm. That was all I knew. I knew that it was, I probably, I, I think I actually thought it was on Fox. I didn't know if it was NBC. Yeah, it seems like it would be a Fox show. 
But yeah, I didn't know who was in it, didn't know anything about it. But I kind of thinking about it more and more, I thought, yeah, I, I think I understand how this deal worked because you had mentioned the synergy of NBC and DreamWorks. And I was like, yeah, I guess like Shrek 2 or Shrek 1 had come out and then pro- somebody probably put a deal together right away mm-hmm. to be like, let's capitalize on the enormous success of the Shrek movies and not even talk about what this fucking show is or why people should watch it or why it should even be. Mm-hmm. We were so obsessed with whether or not we could. We, we didn't, didn't stop and think we should. should. Mark, let's dive in and get the tail of the tape here on Father of the Pride. Right. Now I should con- I should tell you right out. I watched this a little differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of watching it, I watched another Alfred Hitchcock presents. Oh, it was Where the Woodbine Twineth. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. let's um, just keep that in mind as we go through oh. this episode. Oh, okay. All right. I don't see it being much of an issue. Uh, Father of the Pride was created by Jeffrey Katzenberg. Perhaps you're familiar with this man, Mark. Not personally, but he's an exec. He is the CEO of DreamWorks. Right, so is he like in a position, does he have any creative credits to his name, or is he just a mover and a shaker? He's got, uh, he's attached to a lot of stuff at Disney. As like an executive? Because his story is that he came up through, uh, he came up through Disney, he was at Touchstone, he was, he was, a, he was you know, he, he... He was a masketeer? Basically, he founded DreamWorks because... Uh, he didn't get the head position. He was like they gave it over. to Eisner. Yeah, exactly. So he was like, "Fuck it all! I'm gonna kick my ball into the woods." And right. me and Steven Spielberg and one other guy are gonna make her own. David Geffen. David Geffen. SKG. DreamWorks SKG. David Geffen, yeah. the musician. Yeah, that's what. That's the three guys that found DreamWorks. Never, never knew that. Uh, he says that he created the show when he was visiting Siegfried and Roy, saw their saw their show, and he wondered, I wonder what the Tigers do when they're not on the show. Uh, I will tell you, it is not what is portrayed in the show. Uh, the Tigers are locked in tiny cages. It could be. And they cry, and they wish that they were dead. Mark, I mean, stop making me jealous of a tiger, okay? <laughs> Please. I got, I'm low enough as it is. Uh, it's weird to me that he has a created by credit because you know he didn't write one word of this and it makes me think of like Leonard Nimoy having a story credit on Star Trek 6 that I just imagine he was just walking by an office and just loudly announced I wonder what, what would, would happen, happen if, if the, the wall, wall came, came down, down in space, space. And, and then, then shrugged and walked away shrugged and walked away he was talking he was in the middle of a drug episode yes and some somebody passed the word along to Nicholas Meyer and they're like I think he was talking about like the Soviets and sp- I don't I don't know I don't know Nick's like fuck it sure ding alright Star Trek 6 here we go Undiscovered Country um no, I, and watching the show, it definitely plays out in such a way where I, I actually have to disagree with you in a way. Really? Because it seems to me that this show played out exactly how a person whose job is to make money would want it to play out. I guess. Because I can imagine the pitch meetings being, look, here's the deal. We're going to get big name actors. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have like a family sitcom. Yeah. And... Everything is just going to be synergy. We're going to have 
big, big production. Sh- we're going to have big commercials in the middle of each episode for 7-Eleven or Pepsi or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. And we won't play it for laughs. We'll just talk about how great these products are. Oh. And that's the show. Hmm. Yeah, so I'll... take something bad uh-huh. and then... Make it worse. Make it worse so that I can make more money. Yeah. That's the show. Okay. So yeah. whatever the, like, one line... It, like, that's the that's the one-line pitch. That's the log line. And then take the something synop- bad, make it worse, and make me money. Yeah, and then the synopsis is, like... We've got 7-Eleven on the line. Mm-hmm. We've got the MGM Grand. Yep. yep. Uh, so they're good. Yep. So we got all these people attached, and then John Goodman owes me a favor. Don't ask him about it. He'll get weird. Speaking of big-name actors, here's your starring lineup. We have John Goodman in the lead role. Yours. Yours. Starting lineup. For the, for the father of the pride at the number one position. It's the big man himself, for this? John Goodman, coming in at number two, starring as the Lady Tiger. It's boom, 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 Cheryl Hines. Woo, we love you, Cheryl. Coming in at number three, the grandpa character. Baby, you know him. You, move you this? love him. That's right. Can it's comedy legend this? Carl Reiner. Oh my god, I thought he was dead. Oh god, he's, he's, he's not buddy hacking, is he? I had him in my Deadpool. Okay. I thought, oh Jesus. Jesus Christ. He's, is, is, he, is he Mel Brooks? Is Carl Reiner Mel Brooks? I, I think he's Mel Brooks. I get them confused. Uh, yes, John Goodman, Cheryl Hines, Carl Reiner, uh, along with a bunch of other people, including Orlando Jones, Siegfried, and Roy. They're not playing themselves, though. Oh, I thought they were. No. <laughs> oh, they fooled me. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the episode we saw is the third episode in the run, uh, entitled "Catnip and Trust." Trust. I yeah. still don't know what I this don't know is a play means. off of. Is it like bank and trust? Nip or? and trust, like cat cats. And well, what is nip and trust? I don't know. I don't know what the phrase it means here. The phrase that pays. That plays, plays for days. days. Catnip and Trust first aired on September 14, 2004, on NBC. This was directed by John Holmquist. Who's an animation director that has worked on a ton of stuff, including Rugrats and Family Guy. This episode was written by Robert Cohn, who won an Emmy in 1993 for The Ben Stiller Show. Mm. Has a bunch of other credits to his name, including Mad TV, Just Shoot Me, Marin, The Simpsons, among others. He wrote the episode Flaming Moe. That's a big one. Uh, it should be noted that this, this show almost got killed before it even aired because... Uh, Roy Horn was nearly killed by one of these fantastical tigers in 2003. Yes. But once his condition improved, he and Siegfried reportedly told NBC and Jeffrey Katzenberg that they needed production to continue, that they really felt strongly about the show. Yeah. Would prefer if everything went forward with it. So this hampered a lot of the advertisement for this show. I think that's uh, another thing that, that happened with the show is that, like, current events really took the wind out of the sails on yeah. this thing because uh, uh, he was nearly killed yeah run. Siegfried and Roy was a punchline for a long time yeah. and so this is the kind of dumb obvious joke where it's like it's about the tigers at Siegfried and Roy where you're like oh that'll be funny because they're weird you know and it's still okay for us to call them gay right I guess and like make fun of them because of that right because it's 2003 yeah absolutely no yeah. go to town man go to town it's shocking to me that there was a show called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy in my lifetime. 
Like, does that seem weird to anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The conceit of the show is, aren't five, gay people weird? Five gay guys have... Well, no, the conceit is gay guys have better... better have great taste, ba- and, yeah. they're fu- and it's funny to see them interact with straight men. Some some big fat slob who can't... That's the conceit of the show. SpaghettiOs out of a glass. Ooh, that, speaking of... That guy's that got it all figured out. That's Mario. fancy. I just go out of the can. I don't eat... Um, well, I, I, I used to do that, but then the, the, the can would get too hot when I'd microwave it. So. Oh, you microwave your SpaghettiOs? I, know, I just I, I'm scoop it out with I my just, fingers. Why well, I, I don't need to wash a spoon then. Yeah. I just eat in the bathtub. Home. <laughs> I just eat in the bathtub. Uh, I don't use a can opener either. I just shotgun it. I just take a pen and just pop it in the side. I just, I just throw it against the wall until it opens. <laughs> just this futile attempt. Just you bashing into furniture. Please. I'm so hungry. Mark. And then, yeah, he gets eaten, and it's like, oh, this is less funny. But it's still kind of funny, because they got tigers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Father of the Pride, let's figure out what's going on in a segment we call, Hey, 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 What's Going On Here? What's going on here? Mark, Father of the Pride kicks off like this. We get our opening introduction. It's John Goodman playing this fat male tiger driving a corvette yeah uh and uh he's driving down the vegas strip this is the op- these are the opening titles yeah driving down the vegas strip he's singing viva las vegas and it's funny because i you you said uh i hadn't watched it and you watched it mm-hmm. and then you called me and you said do you uh the opening is like john goodman and he's driving and then without missing a beat yeah. i was like is he singing viva, viva las vegas, vegas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty paint by numbers. This whole bad show. Uh, there's a lot of name drop casinos in here, uh, including the Mirage and the MGM Grand. All of these casinos are named by mm-hmm. like their actual trademarked names. Yeah, which already set the tone for me, to be quite honest. Uh, that I was like, uh oh, this is. I mean, the whole show is just trying to sell you something. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. And Andrew and I have been to Vegas, and we don't have the highest esteem for it, no or regard. It's not and it's like not a great city. And I think that anytime I see something that portrays the like glitz and glamour of Las Vegas, I'm e- I immediately react against it. I guess I don't know. You know? Yeah. No, I hear. What like, you're remember saying. in Swingers when they go to the Bag Casino? Yes. That's like a good casino in reality. Yeah. I was like, it's quiet. You don't have to really deal with much. Like, that's fine. I guess that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't look like anybody's throwing up into a trash can. And then there at are... At 7 o'clock in the afternoon. There are uh, casino guards that are walking by and looking directly in the camera. Directly at the camera, yes. <laughs> um, we, start, we start off here, opening scene. Uh, fat tiger and woman tiger. Dad and... Dad and mom... They are watching a choir sing something called Copper Kettle. Yeah. Now, is this a popular song? I don't, I have, like, they make a very specific point of talking about this song called Copper Kettle. I, I don't know if it's a folk song. It's probably real. We see that it's a show-off day for a talented and gifted school, and they are watching this program and this choir to kind of get an idea as to where they can send their daughter, Sierra, 
off to school. Right. So they're seeing Tiger school. Tiger school, you know, because Tiger's got to go to school. Uh, and um, I also noticed that during the opening, the credits are still rolling during this. I noticed that Siegfried and Roy are executive producers on this show as well. <laughs> Good for them. So, so they got an EP credit. Good for him. Uh, Fat Tiger, and so they, they watch this thing, and it's boring. Like, the Fat Tiger keeps falling asleep. Fat Tiger's falling asleep. Mom Tiger's into it. She's like, this is going to be a great place to send her daughter, Sierra. Sierra. And Fat Tiger's like, copper kettle. More like snore. Big laugh. Kettle. Big laugh. Fat Tiger and Mom Tiger return home only to find that their door is locked. Their daughter, Sierra, opens the door, and she's acting weird. weird. Um, and uh, I wrote here, the, uh-oh, this is starting to reek of, the boss is coming over for dinner. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't surprise me if Jeffrey Katzenberg, when putting this show together, probably said, like, give me, um, I don't know, give me, give me some fresh Prince of Bel-Airs. <laughs> Because they go into the they go into the house and they tell Sierra, "Hey, we were at this thing." It's all just so staged and uninteresting, and it's, the animation is bad. But they, I guess it's fine for the time period. For 2004, but it's bad. it doesn't it doesn't it for 2004. It was mind blowing. The show cost about two million dollars an episode, but for 2014, Still, it looks clunky. I don't know. It doesn't look that much better than. Do you remember the Donkey Kong animated series? Oof. Uh, it's a little better than that. Maybe a little that, better. That show is bad. Uh, but they also mentioned that, you know, the, the old bag from the school is coming over, so we got to make a good impression so Sierra can go to this fucking school. Yeah. But at the same time, Sierra's acting weird, like she's a little tense and high-strung. She's kind of paranoid. She's kind of, yeah. It just seems like... She's why itching was, herself along. Why was the door locked? She's got track marks on her arms. Why yeah. was the door locked? Oh, Where shit. are my jewels? Yeah. Like, you know, normal questions. Why is that needle hanging out of your, your arm right why there? Why so much rubber tubing? Where What is what is this going why around? Why are you currently holding a flame to that spoon? <laughs> uh, then we cut to Siegfried and Roy, which the actual Siegfried and Roy, in that they call each other Siegfried and Roy. Siegfried and Roy, but, but apparently they're, they're, they're not, not played by... They don't by... play themselves. They, pl- they are played by other actors. Uh, they are watching TV. They actually play each other. Ooh. Wouldn't that be cool? It's like face-off. If there was a cartoon like about us, and you had to play me, and I had to play you? Like I feel like a lot of feelings would get hurt. <laughs> very much so. We wouldn't We wouldn't be able to record at the same time. Yeah. And then when we watched it air after it was done, just angry, angry phone calls to one another. Why did you play me with an Asian accent? I don't Why, understand. How come most of my dialogue is just farts? Well, I don't get that. Was that your note? Was that a writer's note? Listen to some past episodes. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm Mark. I'm so tired. <laughs> He's been with everyone. Easter. Yikes. Uh, Siegfried is watching TV while Roy is tanning. And the two of them, their characters are basically like weird eccentrics. Yeah. That are like, everything is magic. Voila. Oh, yes. Everything is incredible. Oh, yes. Like, that's. They're very happy all the time. But they're weird. And they're weird. And they've got their very they eccentric. They seem to be short. They're very short as well. 
they're wa- Roy is watching, or I'm sorry, Siegfried's watching TV, and he comes across a commercial for a big gulp from 7-Eleven. What is the problem? Cool off with a super big gulp drink at your local 7-Eleven. Ah. Ah? I even do have the ah. Okay, you shall have it. 7-Eleven doesn't have commercials like this. Um, well, there are commercials like this now because you just watch one on our TV show because that's all it is as a commercial. Oh. Siegfried, so Siegfried gets really excited. He's never had a big gulp before. I want the big gulp. Yes, he wants the, the, the gulp of big yeah. or however he says it. I want the ah. Uh. Yes, yes. Again, very stilted, weird dialogue. Uh, they clap their hands and call for their segues, which are named Thunder and Lightning. Yeah. And then they hop on their segways and then roll off. And then roll off at high speeds. Now, Andrew and I, I especially, always talk about setting the stage, economy of storytelling, yes. saying this is what this episode is going to be about. Correct. So, when I see this... We are two scenes in, or three scenes in. I go, okay, I guess there's going to be a thing with Siegfried and Roy trying to get big gulps. Yeah. I bet they get them and they find out that they suck because that's the reality. Mm-hmm. And then this somehow plays into the A story in some way. Yes. That's what I bet is going to happen because yeah. that's what would happen in they're gonna, any good and a, a well thought out story. They're going to get over. What I would do is they would go for the big gulp and then realize that that they have other options and get overwhelmed by the, the like the variety a, of a, options. There's a double gulp. Oh, and then they're like, I I'm. And they just get locked in their own brains that they've got so many options of gulps at their at their fingertips, uh, and the you kind of want what what would be funny is if the Seven Eleven was really dumpy, but they are still amazed like a by 7-11, it. Seven Eleven, they're yes. like, this is a wonderland. Like everything, you know, people, it's a crappy. But Siegfried and Roy, everything is magical. Whatever. Yeah, it's it's you know it's a piece of shit. But they're mystified by like. The rollers, the hot dog roller, and the wealth of gulps, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, back at the uh, the cave, the house, whatever the it is, wherever these cave. tigers live, I don't know. They're, they seem I, to live in right by the Pinball Hall of Fame. Like, I get, they're yeah. in a residential area. Uh, Mom Tiger is dusting uh, Sierra's room, and she finds a flower vase, and underneath it is a bag of, a of green stuff that she's like, oh, my God, Sierra's got catnip because you get it because that's what cats do instead of hardcore drugs get it mark did you get it yeah do you get it conversely did did you get it yes however it's like weed it's like weed did you get it however dad tiger drinks beer correct so Shouldn't it be like milk or something, or shouldn't the catnip be just weed at that point? Yeah, I don't know. It's dumb. Mom Tiger goes out, and she tells Fat Tiger, Dad Tiger, I just found this in Sierra's room. What are we going to do? We're dealing. She's she's on the nip. She's hopped up on nip. And we've got a thing. What's Yeah, this thing's happening. I'm worried about Sierra. But uh, also this thing. Fat Tiger's best, and Fat Tiger's like, oh, that's a shame, honey. Fuck. She's, ain't that a bitch. She's like, where does she get this from? Did you ever do catnip oh, when you were yeah, younger? Yeah, exactly. And he's, and like, he's like, no, no, no man. 
Then uh, Larry's friend, who is like a woodchuck or a gopher or some fucking nonsense, shows up. His name is Snack. Snack shows up and he's like, oh, man, you found some of that sweet kush. <laughs> Pretty says. much, yeah. Uh, and then he's like, hey, Larry. That's the stickiest of the icky. Larry. Larry's dad tiger, fat tiger. He's like, Larry, remember all those crazy wild catnip parties you used to throw? We would smoke this catnip bowl out of a 40-foot catnip bong. Because it's like weed. That is what you and I would do. Remember? And I want to make sure that your wife has all the information regarding that. And he's doing that thing where he's like, quiet you, you, this fucking guy. They decide uh, that um, they need to go to a therapist to see what the problem is going to be. So they go to an elephant who is a therapist. Well, doesn't the um, grandpa tiger come by? Um, does he? I thought he doesn't come by till the end. He comes by at some point and is like, way to go, way oh, yeah, he, father yeah, of right. the year. That's right. He yells. It. He says that, yes, the grandpa tiger shows up and then he's like, oh, way to fuck up your kid, dummy. And that's then basically leaves. what he says. And he's like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm, I got another Spaceballs to film. Because it, it, it's Mel Brooks, right? It's, yeah. Mel, it's Mel Brooks. They go to an elephant uh, therapist, and they tell a couple jokes really quick that don't go anywhere. There's like a Beatles joke that really stinks. and Harvey Shankar. And... You came to see me about your daughter. I've seen it all in my long life. Ravi Shankar, the Beatles, that whole crazy scene. Fact. I am Lucy, from Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. You don't know this because that damn McCartney wants credit for everything. You're Lucy, but you're a guy. It was a weird time for all of us. I I don't know what that means. What the fuck is happening? Uh, This elephant explains that catnip is a gateway drug, and he's worried that it's going to lead to trank darting. This bit. Did you get it? This bit was kind of funny to me. Did you get it? Did you get it? Yes. No, there's one moment. There's one moment in here that I thought was really funny because he pops in a video that's basically a PSA. Uh, no, no. He pops in a video and I've gotten here written that it would be funnier if it were framed as a as a PSA. But basically, it's just a bunch of scenes and you're like, what is this video? It's like a documentary series or something. I guess. But I don't like, know. It's it, a Lisa. Like, it's, it's, it's an Our, Our America with Lisa. <laughs> like, uh, it, it feels like it would be funnier if it was like catnip and, and you like, you know, something that yeah. maybe the Simpsons would do, but you could do funnier gags. But basically we like see part of the video and then we cut back to a reaction. But basically all, all we're all we're told is that tigers will or uh, animals in general will get really addicted to trank darting. And so we yeah. see like a hunter in the jungle shoot a trank dart and other tigers are purposely getting tranked. Jumping in the way of them. Just to just to get that ride that sweet trank yeah. high. Then the funniest part, and I I think you're going to agree with me here, is at the end we see a tiger break in he he steals a truck. Yeah. That's full of tra- like that's just clearly labeled as like tranquilizer darts. darts. Yeah. And then immediately run it into a brick wall. He's like screaming and hooting, and he's like, "Yeah, we did we it. it!" And then he, they just like there's a brick wall that's like two feet away, right. and it, he just, just hits it, and it explodes. explodes. Yeah. And so I, I was like, "That that's kind of funny." Uh, so back at the house, Dad Tiger and Mom Tiger confront Sierra, who blows up about not being trusted. They do that scene where they're like, 
well, I was in your room and I found catnip. She's like, that's not my catnip. I can't believe you, you guys were, wouldn't you trust my, me. You were in my room. Uh, fart. Oh, now I see why you read me as all fart noises. That Okay. Uh, Larry's line. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a line again. Like I'm willing to look at the the silver linings here. There's a line where she walks away and she's like, "You're the worst parents parents ever," and she storms away. And Fat Dad Tiger says, "No, we are not. My parents were." Uh, but I wrote here, we're like, "Holy shit!" Because I was at this point in my mind, I'm thinking like, "Is this literally where this is going?" That like you can see where everything is heading. At not more than a mile away. Yeah, visibility is high. Yes, very much so. As someone doing nips. Sure. Siegfried and Roy arrive at the 7-Eleven, and they do their weird shtick where they're weird and quirky. They're like, oh, it's so great. Oh, look at this. It's, it's amazing. And the 7-Eleven is very well lit. It looks clean. Uh, they have gone to great lengths to make sure the that they food are, items available are they're, all enticing. They're not shitting on anybody uh, they're not shitting on anybody here. Uh, Siegfried points out that there are security cameras, and then he tells the clerk that uh, there's no need for the security cameras because he admits to a crime. And he lifts up his shirt and he says, "I stole the six pack." Yeah, because we see he's got he's got abs. He's got abs. Uh, fucking hell! They very <laughs> clearly label a Coke machine in this. There yeah. is like logoing up the fucking ass in in the Seven Eleven scene. Uh, they go to get the big gulp, but uh-oh, the machine is out of, out order. of order. So they're upset about it. This is where this this is where this B story is going. Back at uh, the Tiger Place, there is no greater tragedy than wanting to get a big gulp and not being able to get a big gulp. Yes, that is the story here because big gulps are so satisfying, very much so, so enjoyable, quenching. Yes, if you can't get a big gulp, what's the point? Do whatever you can. To get that big gold. Kill a guy. So they decide Kill to start fixing it, right? Not yet. Right. It's just out of order. They're they're going, no, oh no, it's out of order. I don't know. <laughs> Speedy. <laughs> I, I, this is how Siegfried and Roy talks. Slowpoke Rodriguez. I don't know why we can't <laughs> fix it. Mom Tiger and Dad Tiger are in bed. Dad Tiger is reading a book big boy menu this this also made me laugh which he he turns to the mom tiger and he says you know what when the kids are out of the house we're gonna go there someday yeah that made me laugh but (laughs) but i was like why a big boy why specifically i guess yeah i guess it does taint it a bit to know that there was probably also an advertising agreement for this but it's it's kind of funny. He's reading it like it's... He's reading a menu. With, yes. And he's got, like, glasses on. Yes, he's just he's just flipping through this menu. Uh, they go check on Sierra because they didn't... They were hoping not to leave it on a sour note, but it turns out that she is she's left, and in her place is their son, Hunter, who is wearing some, Hunter. Kind, of, some kind of plastic cone over his head, which I guess is a running gag. Who we haven't seen before, but... Uh, Sierra, it's the third episode, probably an earlier one. We'll probably see it at some point. Sierra has left and told Hunter that she'd kill Santa Claus if he didn't pretend to be her, <laughs> which is my favorite threat to give to children. Uh, and then, uh, like, I think the dad tiger says something to the effect of like, "Oh, don't worry, there's no way to kill Santa. He's not, 
he's not real. Yeah. It's like, there's something like that, and he's like, Santa's not real. Some dumb line. And that's the act out. Like that's that's the way we get yeah. the act. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> we come back and we find that Dad Tiger and Mom Tiger are Listen, trying. Listen, Susie. If you don't give me those thin mints, I'm gonna kill Santa Claus in front of you. <gasps> Will he have my Easy Bake Oven or not? Yeah, and I'll cook him alive in it. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, just take all the cookies you want, man. Don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't want any trouble. Santa doesn't want any trouble. Act two, Dad Tiger, Mom Tiger, keep Starts trying. Starts writing a letter. You owe me big time, you, <laughs> you big fucking son of a bitch. Uh, put the screws to their son to fess up as to where Sierra is, and he finally says that she went to a rave. She went to a rave, Mark. Yes. That's what cats do. Because it's the early 2000s. She went to a rave. Yeah. They arrive at the rave, and the lighting effects make this show look even shittier than it is before. Because it's there's lights that are strobing, but like it looks, it makes all of the character models look really odd. Yeah, because, um, nothing seems right. Nothing seems to fit in the frame. Fat Tiger goes up and stops the music and asks if anyone has seen their daughter. Nobody says yes. He threatens the crowd with violence if they touch his daughter. Yeah, and he does it in all a very like nice jovial dad style. Uh, again, like. John Goodman just being Goodman. This is... And somebody, like, hits on Mom Tiger, right? Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, some kid gives... Some uh, some smaller animal, and when I mean kid, I mean just some like other a goat. goofy thing. I don't know. Gives uh, Lady Tiger a necklace of made, of, sausage. made of sausage and tries to hit on her. And she's like, I know your mother. She's in my book club. And he's like, whoa, man. And so he gives her this necklace that's made of sausage. I know we're running behind schedule, but I'd like us to just take one minute, you and me. What was the last book that they read in the book club? Oh, we coming up with jokes? Yes. The last book they read in the book club, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Not bad. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, all right. The Old Man and the Bee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tuesdays with Maury. It's fun. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. They went to go see the. They went to. They read the adaptation of the movie Fury. Furry. Yeah. Yeah. Girl, girl with a dragon tattoo that was also a dragon. Dragon with the girl tattoo. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the last book All they right. read. Mark it down, everybody. Right. Good job. We did it together. I like I that. I like that. We punched, up. we punched it up. So they read girl, Dragon with the Girl Tattoo. God, that's dumb. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we come. We also find out that the, that the, the two kids, the, the kids talk after the tigers leave, and they say, oh, man, why did you give up your necklace that was filled with the fattest catnip kush? And the other guy's like, I don't know, man. Just get off my chest. I'm young. I'm dumb. My parents are getting a divorce. <gasps> yeah. I got I got problems, man. My parents are getting a divorce. Do you want it? Apparently, my dad was seeing another dad. <gasps> oh, no. My dad was seeing another dad. Oh, no. This is what it's like when doves cry. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> also, we're doves. <laughs> <laughs> and a big big turn to the camera yeah 
Uh, Siegfried is trying to figure out the problem with the machine back at the 7-Eleven via math. He's doing, like, some weird calculations on one of the... He's, like, got a dry erase marker, and he's, like, trying to figure out some... Uh, I don't know. He's John Nash um, over there. I liked the conversation. Roy comes over and tries to tell him that they still have Slurpees. Yeah. And he's like, I do not want to slurp. I want to go. <laughs> I thought that's probably the funniest line of the show. Is that a gay joke? I don't know, but for some reason it really caught me. Uh, Roy overhears the clerk at 7-Eleven arguing with his girlfriend, and he tells the clerk, go to your girlfriend and tell her you love her. I will man the store. Uh, And so that's where we leave this. So now this is happening. Now this is happening. This is a thing. Uh, Apparently we go back to the uh, We go back to the thing We go back to the tiger house And they're like We couldn't find Sierra anywhere Boy am I hungry Let's eat some of this sausage sausage necklace necklace. (gasps) I like studio audience gasping Going uh oh Uh, Hey Al Let's have sex (laughs) Uh no pig (laughs) Kelly comes in Big hooting and hollering uh, Fat Tiger and Lady Tiger, uh, they yell at... Uh, Sierra comes home. Sierra comes home, and she's like, I was out because I was stressed out because you fucking assholes are riding my ass. Oh. Tiger asshole. T- just my bang. Why don't you get a ladder and climb out of my tiger asshole, okay? They start yelling at her, but they start tripping out because they're high on that yeah. fat, sweet, <laughs> sticky, icky catnip. Because it's like drugs. Do you get it? I do get it. Do you get it? Yes. Did you get it? Catnip and trust me. Get I get it. <laughs> they start flipping out. Sierra admits that she was with her boyfriend, who they've never met, and who we never see in this episode, who is a lot older than her, and says, she, and she says he also has a kid. Yeah. But they're like, what? What? What is happening? And they're also hopped up on the wacky cat tacky. Smoking some jazz cigarettes. They start acting high, but not like actually high, but like stage high. You know, where if I told someone who's never smoked pot to act like they smoked pot, they would do that thing where they're like... Oh man, I'm solely baked out of my fucking mind, man. They're, they're, Dave's not here, man. They're acting high the way that like somebody at a Christian yes movie would act high. <laughs> they're gonna eat a California cheeseburger. Cut to baby in between two slices <laughs> of bread. <laughs> Larry realizes they're high, but what's this? That old bag from the school knocks on their door. The evaluation is now. Oh, no. Act three. They're still high. Sierra's trying to impress the proctor. She's like, well, I'm I'm pretty cool. Like, I'm a cool person, and my parents are cool, too. And they're like, oh, man, look at this old fucking bride. Am I right? <laughs> Catnip. <laughs> What's up? Catnip. Pats that catnip on the left-hand side now. Bong. Sierra goes into the kitchen and she figures out that the um, 
that they ate these 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 catnip sausages because they're like pot brownies, man. Yes. Because <laughs> they're high as a fucking kite, man. Bong. This is what was. You assume this is what a writer's room was like when they were writing this episode. Wouldn't it be got, funny? You got, you got these two stuffed They were fucking high as a kite, man. No, what happened was they wrote the act break. They wrote the plan for what was going to happen, mm-hmm. and then the actors started doing it, and they're like, "Oh shit, this isn't funny." Mm-hmm. Uh, can you be like really high because we don't have any other ideas? But it's it's a it's dumb. It's like I we've seen this this stupid plot a thousand times. Yeah, it's dumb. It's all dumb. The boss is coming over, but they gotta figure out how to hide something. Usually, it's like cousin Balky brought a goat home, but uh, Larry, Larry Appleton has to bring over the boss, so they gotta hide this goat while the boss is looking at the apartment. Whatever. This is a great fucking apartment. <laughs> Instead, we've got. That goat is fucking someone hard. Now we we have these two fucking tigers that are high. Do you remember the Fresh Prince, though? Let me ask you this. Do you remember the Fresh Prince where um, she goes and she does that dance class? Yes. No. The uh, like a like the governor is coming to stay coming to dinner (laughs) with the, the family. Yeah. And they like just fuck everything up and they so their will is making the dinner and he orders like tandoori chicken and then the governor says something like i don't like spicy food so then we see him just running it under the sink <laughs> just getting all the spice off yeah i guess what i'm wondering is does it work sometimes sometimes yes if you can if you can do it in a in a clever way or you have actors. Because I was like seven, and I thought that was hilarious. If you and have I wonder actors now. that can pull it off, absolutely. You yeah. watch an I Love Lucy. They can do it. They can pull it off. You watch like uh, Three Stooges. You know, you know, it's like, uh-oh, the stuffed shirt's bringing over the boss. Now you three knuckleheads need to go, and we need to paint this room before the governor arrives. Yeah. Why I ought to... And then he grabs his nose and it gets like a tweak, you know, it's like a crank noise. It's like a cork coming when out he, of a bottle. When he, yeah, when he would yeah, he'd grab it and pull it down, or he'd hit him and there'd be like two wood blocks going like conk. That stuff's funny. But in I this never liked the three stooges. I don't find them funny at all. <coughs> this show, however. In this show, it doesn't work because it's it's just it's 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 obvious and it's, it's lame. lazy. It's weirdly staged. It's not very exciting. We know what's going to fucking happen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Back into it. She calls her parents hypocrites because they ate, the, they ate the, the catnip, whatever. Proctor is a huge fuss budget. She's like, your pa- this is highly irregular. Oh, goodness. I don't agree with this at all. Uh, but it's funny when she leaves, uh, the mom tiger throws dad tiger a ball and he catches it with a, he catches it and knocks her over. Whatever. It's dumb. Back at 7-Eleven, Siegfried and Roy fix the Coke machine and it plays some weird goofy music and it like, like puts a up, there's effect. like a laser light show. Well, now we are going to have the drink of the magical fairies. Sprite. 
How did you do all of this? Well, I use the freon from the cooling tank to create the fog. Then for the laser, I adjust... No, 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 no. Just say it was magic. It was magic. Yeah! I say, uh, uh, I've written here, what the fuck is this subplot and why do I taste blood? Why is it happening? What, like, what is, is the this? point? Like, this is the end of the subplot, is that the... the the guy comes back, the, the, the clerk comes back, he's like, thanks, Siegfried and Roy, I just, I'm just i going to get married to my, my girlfriend that I was having a fight with. And then the two of them say, a 7-Eleven is great. And then that's it. It was just a big-ass commercial. Basically. Back at the house, it turns out that Grandpa was the owner of the catnip. And he comes right out and says it. Yeah, he's like, where's that vase? You know, that vase with that sticky, icky cush. <laughs> catnip underneath it yes the stickiest of ickies of the ickies yes the greenest the greenest greens you've ever smoked i don't know get some of that maui wowie catnip yeah some bud like drugs but it's weird because i mean it's just shitty and stupid because nobody confronts him about it he just walks by and he's like where are my drugs when earlier he Nugs. he walks through the scene and he's like, "You're a bad parent." Yeah, you suck. And it's like, why do you want to? Why are you okay to reveal this now? But like yesterday, you weren't. And I think he might even go so far as to say, like, "I just don't like you and I want to fuck with you." And you're like, "Well, that's bad storytelling. Yeah. Like, that's uninteresting." You're just kind of shitty. Uh, Sierra's mad. Uh, oh, well, no, because Sierra's like, "See, I told you, I didn't. Those weren't my my catnips." And they were like, you know what, Sierra, from now on, we're going to trust you. And then she said something like, great, I'm going to go fuck my boyfriend. or I don't know. Yeah. Probably. I, I, that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that's probably what she yeah. said. His barbed penis will enter my weird tiger vagina. Corkscrew. Uh, the proctor returns, and she says she's willing to reconsider Sierra and accepts her into the program. So I guess it turns out well. And the only reason that she came back is because she was talked to by Grandpa, Grandpa who I guess banged was her. banging the old broad and smoking a big fat big joint with her fat doobie of catnip, <laughs> just lighting it and just fucking toking and smoking. Yeah, just hot boxing, just the, going the, ahead and the tiger cage firing that he up lives that in. double bubbler. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! For two guys who don't. Know anything yeah, about marijuana? Have a lot of we're doing really buzz, well here. Buzzwords here. Uh, finally, we uh, the last scene is um, Siegfried and Roy are back at their house enjoying their big gulps, and they see a commercial for Seven Eleven with advertising chili dogs, and they say we must return to the Seven Eleven and enjoy the dogs of chili. And they call for thunder and lightning, and they're like they're in the shops. So then they call for something else, and two guys show up, and then they ride them piggyback off screen. Yeah, two small Asian men. Yes, smaller than them. Very small. And that's the end and that's of this the episode. And that's the fucking show that you just watched. A Father of Pride. Great. Mark, what did we learn? Well, Andrew. Father of the Pride. What we learned from this episode of Father of the Pride is talent, yep. ability, sure. ambition, mm-hmm. mean, oh. fucking nothing. Absolutely nothing. And even if you have a guy who wrote the Flamin' Moe's episode, yeah. who obviously knows what he's doing and how to be funny, mm-hmm. he can do nothing against the face of 
Katzenberg and whoever the fuck else just saying, look, here's the deal. We want a big commercial. It doesn't have to be good. In fact, we'd prefer if it wasn't good. I'm not going to pay a lot for this animated muffler. Exactly. That's so basically what they said. Look, we need a 22-minute commercial for 7-Eleven and Chili Dogs. And... Um, any conflict that you can come up with, I'd like you to cut it out right away because I don't like that. I get uncomfortable when people are mad. Yes, and, very um, much so. You know what it's like to be high, right? Uh, not really. Um. Okay. Uh, here's a uh, tract. Here's a Bible tract. Let's go ahead and read this. Oh, okay. It should let you know what it's like to be on a controlled substance. Oh, there seems to be a lot of the devil involved. Is that yeah. is that the case? Yeah, that's pretty much right. So okay. Just go nuts with that. Got it. It's just a big shitty TV show and just hated it. And um, yeah, I kind of don't want to talk about it ever reeks again. Reeks of synergy that really sucks. Uh, it should be noted that but somebody at the top was just fucking blowing himself, being like, oh, look at this great fucking TV show I made. So great. Yay me. I got John Goodman. He's always fucking hilarious. Meanwhile, the rest of us are just shoveled this piece of shit, and we're expected to Here you go. lap it up and love it. Here you go, America. Nobody respects me as an audience, as a human a fucking being. Are we, are we talking about the show anymore? I don't know. Just out there, just with their, just looking at me like a grinning fucking scarecrow. Eat shit, America. Eat shit, Andrew. That's what NBC is saying. That's what life is saying. That's what I told him. I don't, I don't, I don't feel good. I don't feel, I don't, I don't, I don't like a lot of things right now. Critical reception of this was really poor, though. Critics noted that this just felt like an advertisement for not only 7-Eleven, but also DreamWorks. The MGM Grand in casinos and hotels and NBC. I guess Matt Lauer was featured in a lot of episodes. Yeah. As was Kelsey Grammer. And Donkey from Shrek eventually shows up in one episode. What a load of sh- just, a just a fucking load of, of shit. shit. And it's frustrating because, you know, this is on air. People got paid money for this. Lots of money. For This is what people love. Something that you know that there are 30,000 other scripts, projects, and ideas that could have better served. How many people watch this? Do you have the numbers? I would say probably like 10 million. Probably like 10 million people watch this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I guess it's all right. It's not great. It's okay. In $2 million for what? A show that made its money back, sure. Yeah, television is a business, but like, who served here? This writer? This Emmy Award-winning writer? No. No. He got a paycheck. You know that he cranked this thing out, and I wonder if he was doing the jack-off motion while he was writing this thing, because he knew that it didn't matter what he submitted. Who fucking cares? As long as all they care about is product placement, just make it look good, and make sure that no everybody has a great time every time they go to a 7-Eleven. It's like, what fantasy land is this in? The boss is coming over. Uh-oh. They're hopped up on drugs. Roseanne did this. Yeah. Like 10 years prior to the show. And that was actually a good episode because they, they like, legitimately... Have you ever seen that episode? I don't, where they find... I don't think I've ever watched like, Roseanne. Roseanne and Jackie, her sister, find pot that they had stashed away themselves at, like 20 years ago. <laughs> decide to go into the bathroom and smoke it to see if it's still good. And they freak themselves out, but they also like sitting in the in the bathroom. They like get really deep on themselves, but like 
It's not like. <laughs> and then does the boss come over? Bung. No, their kids. Their kids come home. Yeah. And they have to pretend like they're not high. And it's not necessarily like this is funny, but it's a more realistic take on here are these middle-aged people that are trying to rekindle some of their childhood. But here, but they can't because they're adults now and they yeah. have children, and they note this in the episode. And then does Dan walk in at the end and go like, "Where was that oregano that I <laughs> that I put in my pocket? I put in my bag. my my, uh, my disco jacket yeah. from from thirty years ago." <laughs> this uh oh, and then the boss walks in. Yeah. So Mark. That's what we learned from Father of the Pride. Just everything's worse. Now, however, we have the difficult option of trying to write the next episode of this show, Father of the Pride, in a segment we call, well, you got you. you fucking, listen, king shit. Yeah. You fucking do it. I'll be honest. I didn't fucking do it. <laughs> well, apparently you didn't fucking I didn't do, do it. it. I, you got no room to talk, Jack. No, I just got pissed off about this thing, and I didn't want to do it. And about this thing? Yeah, this. I don't know. This one did it. This one broke me. This one pushed you. You just you, you, you know the push plot. and you push and you push and you see what fucking happens. You know the plot of MST3K, the like experiments. Yeah, this is the one trying to drive him crazy. This is the one that did it. No, man, stay frosty. You guys, it's no, this isn't our manos. Well, I did. I did it. Andrew did it. I did a thing. Did you send it to me? I just sent it to you. Right. We are looking at probably like mid act one. Okay. Mid act one, I will go ahead and play man tiger and um, hunter. Okay. And you play woman tiger. I'm woman tiger? You are woman tiger. Should I do scene direction? Uh, Yes, you can do scene direction as well. Okay. So. Here we go. Mid-act one, the next episode of Father of the Pride. Interior, Tiger House, day. A light bit of hustle and bustle as woman tiger organizes the house. She seems preoccupied by something. The door crashes open as man tiger rumbles in. Woman tiger, I'm home! Hunter bounds around the corner and begins jumping up and down on man tiger excitedly. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Hey, dad! No, 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 no. Bad son, down. Man Tiger roughhouses with Hunter a bit until Hunter flips over Man Tiger's shoulders and onto the floor, getting stuck upside down on top of his cone. Uh, a little help? Man Tiger nudges Hunter, tipping him right side up. Man Tiger, do you have to get Hunter so wound up when you come home? It's not my fault. He'd probably come down if he had a bigger cone. We could just pour Cheez-Its inside and call it a day. Man-Tiger flops down on a lounge chair. How was your day, dear? I think they're cutting the show's budget again, I tell you. You forget to not maul just once and they put your nose and other body parts from others in it. (laughs) Comfortable? All I need is a brew and a good scratch. Which one do you want to do first? It does my heart good to see you relaxing after a hard day on stage. I'm telling you, I married the pick of the litter. Man, Tiger, our garbage disposal has been acting up a lot lately, so I decided to buy a new one. Man, Tiger tenses up, knowing where this conversation is going. But when I went to take money out of our savings account, 
Guess what? New garbage disposal? Do you have any idea why there's no money in our savings account? Well, it uh, must have been a bank error. Someone else just collected $200 in their favor. Where's the money, man tiger? Something happened to it. There, I said it. We scrimped and saved for that money, and every time we get ahead, you have to go blow it on one some harebrained scheme. Now, see here! In this cave, I am the king, and... And what, man-tiger? And you have every right to know, my queen. I gave it to Snack. You what? I know I should have consulted you, but Snack is my neighbor, my lodge brother, and my best friend since the first time I went through the fifth grade. Man, Tiger. Woman, Tiger, without that money, he wouldn't have been able to adopt a baby. So go ahead. Yell, scream, let the fur fly. Give the neighbors something to talk about. What you have just done for Snack is wonderful, and I adore you for it. They kiss. Mm. And I also bought a new bowling ball. Man Tiger dips and kisses Woman Tiger. Andrew, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Yeah. Was that a Flintstones? What? <laughs> what? How dare you? How dare you, sir? What? That's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. Maybe. Okay. All right. Maybe it was the movie to the Flintstones. All right. It was an act from the movie from the Flintstones. Sure. But if you didn't realize that, that would seem like a plot to this stupid fucking show. Yeah, could have. It's this base. I just. It saw, was. I, it was Lodge member was what gave that's it away. Where I tipped it. Yeah. I. I. I changed. Very minimal things on that whole. Yeah. Because Dino's the one that knocks down yeah. Fred. And then he says, the line is like, well, maybe he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't be so rowdy if we got him fixed. And then he, yeah, yipe, 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 yipe. And he runs away. And, Yeesh. <laughs> um, and she tries to buy a garbage disposal. And you see, because it's a pig yeah. underneath. It's a living. It's a living. That's what the show was, but it wasn't even as good as the Flintstones. At least with the Flintstones, they have more grist for the mill than they drugs. Yeah, <laughs> Bojack Horseman does it a lot better too. Yeah. They have a lot of animal puns where they're like MSNBC. And C is spelled S-E-A. And yeah. Keith Olbermann plays a large whale <laughs> that gets really indignant about things. Sure. <laughs> this show fucking blows. The end. Mark, that's going to do it for this episode of Episodic Memories. Next time, Andrew and I will be watching... The Netflix original series, <laughs> Hemlock Grove. Oh, no! Oh, no! Episode one. <laughs> We're watching the first episode of Hemlock Grove? Oh, God. What have you done? Or... You've sentenced us to death. Or... You've killed us. You've killed us. So, for next time, we'll be watching episode one of the Netflix original series, Hemlock Grove, and try and figure out what happened, what went wrong. Anything else? Nah, man. Nah, man. I'm gonna go get hopped up on the stickiest of cat piss. Wait. Nip. Nip.
But you could smoke cat pee, right? No, I... Who would stop you? How could someone stop me? Wake and bake and pee and see all day, baby! <laughs> see you next time. Bye.